Hello and welcome to the Informed Traveler podcast, part of the Informed Traveler radio show, which is heard each week on Chorus Radio. It's a travel podcast where our goal is to help you become a more informed traveler. And I'm your host, Randy Sharman. So the National Indigenous Tourism Conference was held a few weeks ago in Calgary. And it was there that I got a chance to meet up with the president of the Indigenous Tourism Association of Canada, Keith Henry, to talk about Indigenous tourism and how they are looking ahead to better times. So we'll play that conversation for you in a few minutes. And then we'll chat with the folks from Natural Habitat Adventures about a new bear camp that they set up in Alaska this summer. It sounds like a lot of fun. So we'll hear more about that. And the Minister of Tourism for the state of Yucatan in Mexico was in town this past week. So I sat down with her and chatted about all the things to see and do in Yucatan. So we'll have that conversation for you as well. But first, as I mentioned, we're going to start our podcast this week talking about Indigenous tourism. The National Indigenous Tourism Conference was held a few weeks ago in Calgary, and that's where I met up with the president of the Indigenous Tourism Association of Canada, Keith Henry, to talk about Indigenous tourism in general and how they're looking ahead to better times. Their website is destinationindigenous.ca. So here's that conversation for you now. What is Indigenous tourism? Well, I mean, indigenous tourism is a lot of things. It's not one thing, but it's basically, in a nutshell, it's basically how First Nation, Métis, Inuit people share uh, our culture and experiences to Canadians in the world. It's hotels, it's cultural centres, it's outdoor adventure, it's guided tours, mm-hmm. it's transportation companies, it's, you know, it's anything you can imagine. It's indigenous culinary. You know, so there's a lot of ways that indigenous entrepreneurs and communities have actually developed their businesses. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, though, there, there's there been this uptake in interest in indigenous tourism, and then all of a sudden this pandemic hit. Uh, at probably the worst possible time, I'm thinking. Yeah, you've got that right. Uh, you know, since... Uh, you know, we had our best year ever in Canada for, if you want to say, sales and mm-hmm. Indigenous tourism. It was a record-breaking year. We were almost at $2 billion in direct GDP, and so that was a lot of sales at the tills of our businesses, employing just about 40,000 people. Most of those are Indigenous uh, employees in their home communities, and, and not all our businesses are on in on reserve or, or in settlement or in Inuit communities. A lot of them are in urban and rural and remote areas. Mm-hmm. But these are really important um, ways that we're helping sustain our cultures, helping support language, helping support just, you know, education for the world. So, yeah, we had our best year ever. Uh, Pandemic hit March 2020, and it was just, we've been the hardest of the hard hit Mm -hmm. in tourism, um, primarily because a lot of our paid customers were more international. And, you know, uh, that's where the the best, uh, you know, roughly 65% of our revenues in 2019 came from international visitation from the U.S., Mm -hmm. Japan, China, U.K., France, Germany. These were gone overnight. So, you know, within a, you know, very short period of time, our industry, you know, minimized. We lost 30 years of progress. We were down in 2020 after that, you know, the metrics are, we were down to about 500 million direct GDP and about six to seven thousand people working in our industry so massive losses Jeez. massive cuts uh roughly 18 1900 businesses most of them what we they didn't go bankrupt but they hibernated like yeah. they just shut the doors and yeah. shuttered um loans were not really an option a lot of the federal relief programs didn't work well so we did a series of indigenous sort of stimulus programs and we did a, a number of things and that's helped stabilize it so today i'm proud to say 
although we went through a tough time, we're mm-hmm. starting to see rebounding. And what we are really thankful for is we were able, between all our provinces and territories, we were able to stabilize most of those businesses. And so now it's the process of reopening, rebuilding. Well, let's talk about that reopening, rebuilding. What? Uh, let's look ahead six months, a year from now, what kind of things, projects are uh, out there? Well, I think to your point a bit ago, the one thing through the pandemic that wasn't lost is there's still tremendous demand. Mm-hmm. Canadians are interested in, in learning about Indigenous cultures. Um, we know that largely driven because of unfortunate, you know, residential school, mm-hmm. survival, or residential school, burial issues. I mean, reconciliation has taken on a whole new, uh, in, just really deep meaning for many Canadians. Mm-hmm. So the interest is, is really high in Canadians right now. We've been measuring that, we've been seeing that, and it's actually increased throughout the pandemic to, to learn more about Indigenous people. We know that international interest remains strong. It's about one in three international visitors. So we're talking significant numbers, if you want to think of volume-wise, into the future. So now we're really starting to pivot into that sort of how do we reopen? How do we start getting back into these markets? How do we make sure our businesses can start capitalizing all that in, in interest? Because the feasibility will be there for these businesses if we can reopen them effectively. Mm-hmm. Uh, give me some examples. I mean. You're the Indigenous Tourism Association of Canada. You've got, I mean, Canada's a big country. How do you keep it all together? Well, it's hard. The short answer is it's hard, but we do our best. We have, so here's one way we keep together. One of the reasons Indigenous tourism didn't grow before ITAC really got itself organized in the, you know, roughly around 2015, is that there was just a lack of coordination, to your point. Like our industry, our businesses, they don't really get too involved with the, the non-Indigenous tourism sector very much with the local destination marketing organizations, mm-hmm. the provincial, and it's no no slight against them. It's just our people, our organizations really want to have an Indigenous-led approach. Mm-hmm. So one way we keep it together is we have our national body, we do membership, we have provincial, territorial, Indigenous organizations. You know, in Alberta, we've got Indigenous Tourism Alberta. We work closely together, and yeah, you know, we uh, continue just to build that coordination across all of the areas. And you're right, from from Newfoundland, Labrador, to <laughs> British Columbia, to Taktayaka, and, and, and beyond. Like, we, yeah. are, we are trying to help market and, and support all of those businesses. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know, I asked for maybe an example or two, but there's thousands of opportunities that people can take advantage of in the spring and the summer. Uh, I, I guess the best way is just to go on your website and I would pick say the, and choose where you want to go, yeah, right? DestinationIndigenous.ca, we've created about over 60 packages for people to purchase right now. Yeah. We've got an existing inventory of businesses open. They can go there. So some examples, you know, if you're in Vancouver, there's Squatch Eyes Lodge, beautiful boutique accommodation, indigenous culture throughout. They've got a beautiful gallery there. It's right downtown Vancouver. Most Canadians have no idea this whole, and it's a beautiful hotel. Every room's themed to a different indigenous theme. It's amazing. In Alberta now, you've got Métis Crossing. They just yeah. invested, you know, several million dollars into new lodging facilities, mm-hmm. new outdoor adventure facilities. I mean, these are, and that's not that far away from Cal, for Calgarians. Mm-hmm. Or here, right at Grego, where we're at the conference today. I mean, Grego's got a beautiful resort. They've got the new cultural center on the Sutina Nation. Yeah. These are all these local adventures to, you know, you go to Newfoundland Labrador, you might want to go up to the Torngats. 
I, I say it's the hidden gem of this country. Yeah. Torngatz is with the it's a it's a cult of Torngatz base camp on Destination Indigenous. They're only open a short period of time throughout the summer. Um, it's very isolated, but it's the last true safari in the world. You know, these are the kind of things on Destination Indigenous you'll find. That's the website destinationindigenous.ca. And Keith Henry is the president and CEO of Indigenous Tourism Association of Canada. It was a real pleasure chatting with you, Keith. Yeah, Thank thanks you. for thanks for having me on. Well, if you're looking for an Alaskan adventure of a lifetime that involves bears, there is a new Alaska bear camp opening up from Natural Habitat Adventures, and it sounds like a lot of fun. So joining us now to tell us more about it is Drew Hamilton. He is the Director of Bear Conservation for Natural Habitat Adventures. Their website is nathab.com. That's N-A-T-H-A-B.com. Hi, Drew. Hi, how's it going? Uh, it's going very well, thank you. Tell me a little bit about Natural Habitat Adventures and, and what you do and what you're all about. Natural Habitat is a global tour company um, operating tours all around the world. And we like to offer trips that have a more conservation-oriented goal. So in a lot of ways, we like to think of ourselves as a conservation organization that happens to provide trips to some pretty amazing destinations. Well, I think that's uh, what people are kind of looking for more now these days, aren't they? Not necessarily, like if I'm not a a rugged outdoorsy type, uh, that's okay too, right? Oh, for sure. Um, (laughs) You know, it's, it's being able to travel with a purpose to go someplace, to learn about that place, to learn about the wildlife, and to be able to take part of it home with you and make it part of your daily routine so that when conservation issues or something concerning that animal or place comes up, you've you've been there. You have that experience to take it to heart and do things to help. And you do have uh, something new that's happening this summer. It's the Alaska Bear Camp. Uh, that's kind of your specialty as a bear conservationist. So let's let's talk in general before we talk about the camp, uh, talking about bears and, and I don't know. Give me a lesson on what I need to know if I'm if I'm going on a on a tour or, or staying at a bear camp. So Alaska, the last frontier, if you will, is home to most of the brown bear grizzly or brown bears or grizzly bears in North America. So there are about 40,000 bears in the state of Alaska. And the best bear habitat in the world is on the western shores of Cook Inlet. So there's this stretch of land, this large complex of habitat that has everything bears need. It stretches from Lake Clark in the National Park, Lake Clark National Park up in the north, all the way down, goes through some state lands and native land and McNeil River State Game Sanctuary and Katmai National Park. Tens of millions of acres of habitat, and it's virtually untouched wilderness at this point. And that is what bears need in order to thrive. It's got salmon runs, it's got sedge flats, it's got berries in the fall. It's got everything these bears need to be able to round out their summer before heading back into their den. And so what we've found is a little parcel of land that is completely surrounded by 
Lake Clark National Park. So when you're sleeping in the, the Weatherport tent out on the beach, uh, right there, when you walk out through the camp, the backyard, it opens up into millions of acres of wilderness. You're, <laughs> you're sitting there, you walk out in the morning, there might be a bear walking down the beach as the, as the tide laps on the, on the, on the shore. Um, it's, so I, I got my start in this spot over 20 years ago, the late 90s, when I first laid eyes on this spot. And Alaska is a big state. And whenever anybody says Alaska, they tend to, everybody conjures something different. And when I conjure Alaska, this is the exact spot I think of. When somebody says Alaska, I think of Bear Camp. Mm-hmm. It's right on the beach. It's got uh, towering mountains all around. It's got a big sedge meadow where bears will graze in the spring. It's got a, uh, a slough that runs through it later in the summer where the salmon will run. Uh, bears will be fishing for them. It's just, <laughs> it, it's very iconic. And just to be able to go out there and spend uh, a few days in this magical wilderness, um, it does something for your soul. It really does. Oh, I bet it does. I bet you it's absolutely spectacular. Uh, How do you get there, though? Flying in remote Alaska is always an adventure. So we'll take off from the Kenai Peninsula uh, in small planes. And there's no runway out there. So we actually, it's about a 45-minute flight over there, depending on which way the wind's blowing. And you're flying over glaciers and mountain lakes and uh, the ocean. You see, can see volcanoes as you're flying in. And then you actually land on the beach right in front of camp. So these planes have these big, big tires so they can land on the, on the soft sand. Uh, so now tell me, like, how many guests would be in a typical tour? Uh, I would imagine there's not too many people there because uh, you don't want to scare all the bears away, right? Well, so we specialize in small group tours. So this, mm-hmm. this camp is only going to accommodate uh, a few people at a time. And really, our job as facilitators of this wilderness experience is to make sure that our guests behave in a way that the bears find predictable. Mm. So a lot of times you read in papers or you see on TV and say, oh, Bears are unpredictable creatures, and they, they have this air about them of being dangerous or, or they'll attack you, things like that. When the more time you spend with these animals, the more you get to understand them, you realize that <laughs> they just want things to be predictable in their life. And so through a process of repeated benign interaction where every time these bears encounter us as humans, we are behaving in the same way. So the next time, their response, lessons, lessons, we're to the point where these bears, uh, we're just part of the landscape, really. We are a predictable entity. And so they can go about their business of being bears without, with little to no concern that we're even there. You know, they'll look at us, they'll check us out, but then they just go back. They've got a, they've got a tough job. They're doing all their eating for the year <laughs> in the summer months. So... They don't want to, uh, have to, we don't want them to have to waste energy on our account. Mm-hmm. So we want to be a completely benign part of their environment. So now getting back to my original point of uh, how experienced of an outdoors person I have to be, you guys handle all of that. We just follow your direction is what I'm gathering. That's the experience we're going for. So once you get on that plane, 
Um, you don't have to be. We're not going to be running up mountains or <laughs> uh, we're not climbing Denali here. But um, you do need a certain level of adventure spirit, one, mm-hmm. to get you out into to places like that. Mm-hmm. But in terms of um, walking and climbing over logs and things like that, no, don't, don't worry about that. We'll take care of all of that. The camp itself is so ideally located that even just to get out to, well, one, the bears might be walking right right next to camp. You don't have to go very far. But we have an exclusive viewing platform out behind camp that you really just have to walk uh, through a stand of trees. Uh, might take three, four minutes to get out there. So we like to pick a spot and <laughs> you sit there. And then it's really up to the bears to determine how close or far they're going to be doing their thing. So you might be sitting there, and if you're behaving in that predictable way uh-huh. that the bears like, a bear could potentially graze right up to you wow. or walk right by you. Oh, my. Um, and it's really, people are, are usually very impressed with how much control uh, or influence the human, us, has in a bear-human interaction. That is so really we cool. we really do control our own destiny in terms of the quality of the bear viewing. That is really cool. So what's included in a typical tour? I'm assuming meals and all those things, but as far as equipment, I'm I'm going to bring my own, you know, hiking shoes and that type of stuff, right? Yeah, bring your own clothes and stuff like that, but anything extra that is specific to our types of, uh, uh, this specific product are, are going to be included. Well, it all sounds like a really cool adventure. It is NATHABS, Alaska Bear Camp, and NATHAB is short for Natural Habitat and Natural Habitat Adventures. You can find all the details on their website, nathab.com. And Drew Hamilton is the Director of Bear Conservation with Natural Habitat Adventures. It was uh, fun chatting with you, Drew. Thanks. Right on. Thanks so much for having me. We'll see everybody out in the field. The Minister of Tourism for the state of Yucatan in Mexico was in town last week, Michelle Friedman, and I got the chance to meet with her and sit down and chat about Yucatan and the sights to see, things to do when visiting Yucatan. The website is yucatan.travel, so here's that conversation for you now. I'm very excited to learn about Yucatan. I think a lot of people think they know where Yucatan is, but give me a bit of a geography lesson of where Yucatan is. Right, because that's a very, very important thing to start off with. Many people get confused between the Yucatan Peninsula, which gathers three states, Campeche, Quintana Roo, and Yucatan as a state, and the state of Yucatan. It's different. And why is it so important to understand this? Because many people, when they're traveling perhaps to Cancun, which is a very well-known destination Mm -hmm. in the world, Uh, they think that they're traveling to Yucatan, but they're not. So they they perhaps book one whole week on an all-inclusive resort, uh, resort that has not much to do with Mexican history and heritage, and they are making daily excursions to the Yucatan state because yeah. that's where the authenticity and the thousands of years of history uh, are in Yucatan state. We all know where Cancun is. Yucatan is a state just. Uh, west yes, of Yucatan. We're of, neighbors. Yeah. Um, okay, so is is the uh, the state of Yucatan, is it 
up and coming as far as tourism? Is it just different and nobody knows about it? <laughs> it explains best, to me. It's the best kept secret of Mexico. Um, I like to say that Yucatan is where the world began 64 million years ago when the big rock, the meteor, fell into the earth and extinguished the dinosaurs. That happened in Yucatan. So the world as we know it, it began in Yucatan. Imagine how many people, how many cultures, how many species have passed through Yucatan. Uh, that, that's a land full of history, full of heritage. You can go in Yucatan, in Yucatan and, and find the authentic experiences with the Mayans, with the Mayan communities mm -hmm. of the Mayan villages, where you can perhaps go and take a cooking lesson with a Mayan woman on a Mayan house. <laughs> you can go to the archaeological sites such as Chichen Itza, one of the seven wonders of the world. It is not in Cancun, it is in Yucatan. Okay. And it's two hours away from Cancun, so if you want to visit our amazing archaeological sites, you should stay one, two or three nights in Yucatan, in a colonial uh, town such as Valladolid, or Merida, or Capital City, or Izamal, which is an old painted in yellow town. Our beaches are, are also beautiful, and they don't have thousands of rooms in huge buildings. They, ha they have instead thousands of flamingos <laughs> behind the, the, the beaches. So it's a quite a unique and authentic destination. Mm -hmm. Okay, now tell me uh, the, the best way to get there. It, would it be easier to fly to Cancun, drive over, or, or can you fly right into Yucatan? I always try to make the difference between Cancun and Quintana Roo and Yucatan, but not because we're competitors. Yeah. We, we are together a region and, and I would encourage people to travel throughout the region. You could easily use the Cancun airport, which is very, very well connected. Mm. You can fly direct from Calgary to Cancun then explore the whole region, perhaps stay a few days in Cancun for their beaches, beaches. then come to Valladolid, our colonial town, explore the pink lakes in our beaches, uh, in, in our eastern beaches. You can go to the Mayan villages in southern state, you can go to Isamal, you can go to Merida and our western beaches, Celestun, Cisal, Progreso, you can visit all of our 20 archaeological sites open to the public and then you can fly back home from our capital city, Merida. Huh. We have a direct flight to Toronto with WestJets or you can fly with, with a stop uh, in Houston, in Dallas, in Miami. We have a lot of uh, international connectivity that would allow you to go back home from Merida. I understand there's six tourism zones. Yes. So maybe you can describe uh, the difference between the difference, uh, the, the different zones. Well, we have Merida, which is our capital city, which, by the way, was awarded in 2019 as the best small city in the world by Condé Nast. So you can imagine it; it's a city with a lot of history, but also a contemporary city with a lot of infrastructure, modern, uh, worldwide infrastructure. Uh, we have uh, commercial centers, restaurants, very, very well-known uh, restaurants. We have also the traditional food. Um, we have beautiful uh, boutique and authentic hotels in our city, Merida. And, and it's somehow the gastronomic and cultural capital city for the whole region. Mm -hmm. Then there's what we call the Haciendas y Cenotes region, because most of our haciendas, historical haciendas, that has been turned into luxury hotels uh, where people can actually get married, as an example. <laughs> and, and some of the cenotes, which are the sinkholes in which you, you can 
swim or, or dive uh -huh. are gathered in this area, but there's also the town of Isamar, okay. a town that is all painted in yellow. The, the, the whole town is yellow. <laughs> then in the southern uh, part of the state, there's what we call the Mayan villages. Some of the Mayan villages in, in which you can go and practice the rural tourism are located there. Mm. And there are many other archaeological sites, such as Uxmal, which is uh, heritage of the humanity. Um, you can visit in a row about eight other archaeological sites and take a visit through the jungle, the Mayan jungle. Then there is a, a fourth region, which is what we call the Riviera Yucatan, with many beautiful beaches. Uh -huh. The closest beaches, beach to our capital city, Merida, it's only 20 minutes away. Really? Merida, so it's sort of our own beach uh, and it's Progreso, where the, yeah. the cruises arrive. Okay. There's also Cisal, which is very, very beautiful, with a lot of history. Uh, this is the port that used to connect Europe with Yucatan, and that's why we have so many, so much influence from Europe in yeah, yeah, yeah. Yucatan. There's Celestun, you can watch a lot of flamingos gather in, in, in our coast. Then there's the eastern coast, that's what we call the Mayan uh, coast, the, 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 um, the Mayan port, Puerto Maya, where you can find Las Coloradas, the pink uh, uh, salt lakes that are so beautiful for Instagram pictures. <laughs> and there's also Rio Lagartos. And finally, there's what we call the capital of the Mayan world, where, where you can find Valladolid, our second largest city. Uh -huh. She's a colonial town with a lot of beautiful boutique hotels. But there's also Chichen Itza and many parks around Valladolid with a lot of cenotes. So, like, I mean, you can, if you're staying there for, for seven days, you can get the best of everything all in this area, which um, isn't that a big of an area, right? If you're talking 20 minutes to the beach, uh, you're not that far from the, the southern part or from the eastern is, part. The longest distance is perhaps two and a half hours. Within one hour of distance, you'll be able to find nice cenotes, uh, colonial towns, uh, haciendas, beaches, everything's so close. But I, I would like to, to say something. It's not only the authentic and organic experiences that we have to offer, yeah. but Yucatan is the safest state in Mexico and one of the safest destinations in the world. Our capital city was ranked number two in the whole continent, right behind Quebec City. Uh -huh. That means we have the second safest city in the whole America continent. Yeah. Even safer than many Canadian or American cities. Um, so you can easily drive or take a tour and feel and be safe yeah. all the time. That's what I was going to say. Uh, obviously, there's probably tour companies and everything that set you up, and you can spend uh, you know yeah. a week there and have. You know, I wouldn't have. I'm not a person that likes to drive around. I like, especially in an area I don't know. I like to look around. I, yeah. I, I, I don't like to be focused on the road ages. and driving. Around. Yeah, yeah. So it's easy to get around. It's easy to access the beaches from Merida and, and so down crazy. south and, and go into Chichen Itza. So like, if you were my tour guide, if we started in Merida, we could spend you know, uh, a couple of days at the beach, a couple of days over in Chichen Itza. And a couple, you could tour this whole area quite easily, right? Definitely, definitely. And there's always something to do in Yucatan. We're about to finish one campaign that we launched one year ago, that it's called 365 Days in Yucatan. Since one year from uh, until now, we've been launching every single day a new experience to do in Yucatan. So there are plenty of options. You can either go to an archaeological site or swim in a cenote, 
or take a bike tour or take an old Land Rover uh, vehicles tour through the jungle. You can take a cooking lesson with a Mayan woman. There are so many things to do. There are the, the bee farms, the, the, the farms in which you can gather the Yucatecan bee, which is one of the most exquisite uh, honey in, in the world. Besides the maple syrup of, of, of Canada, we have the bee honey of, of Yucatan, which is amazing. Uh, tell me, what did I miss that you might want to make sure that our listeners hear? Our gastronomy is probably one of the best in the world. Imagine that you can find the history of Yucatan in our dishes. Mayan ingredients, colonial and, and European ingredients and techniques blended together with all of the other influences from the Caribbean, from the Arab cultures that have had arrived during so many years to Yucatan. I'd say the history of Yucatan is something that you can find in, in our gastronomy, in our architecture, in our traditions, in our clothes. So you'll find an authentic and very exciting destination. I'll never go back to Cancun again, I don't think. That's a good bet. <laughs> <laughs> Michelle Friedman is the Minister of Tourism for the state of Yucatan. You can find lots of information on their website, yucatan.travel. It was so much fun chatting with you, Michelle. Yeah, it was so, so fun. I, I expect to see you and your audience in Yucatan very soon. And that is this week's Informed Traveler podcast. Remember, this is the podcast version of the Informed Traveler radio show, which is heard each week on Chorus Radio. You can find more information on the show at our website, theinformedtraveler.org. So thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, let us know, leave a review, tell a friend, or you can drop me a line. My email is randy at theinformedtraveler.org. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash informedtraveler or follow me on Twitter at informedtraveler.org.